0: We begin the taf with a few more stories and guidelines on how to undo vows. Then we're going to have a section about the dangers of getting angry. Uh, and then we'll go back to some various cases of undoing vows. So we're dealing with uh, two different strategies: to resolving vows, absol- absolving vows. One is called hadata, which is that one regrets. I regret that I ever made it um, because I was in a state of anger or something. Uh, or the other is a petach, meaning unforeseen circumstances. When I made it, I did not realize that it would uh, what uh, what it would take into account and uh, therefore I made it under false pretenses, I did not realize. Uh, and so we saw an opinion above that the haratah does not work, that's not enough, and you should uh, find a petah, but there were other sages that actually used both. And uh, so we have stories of each, so here's the next story in a series we saw three just now, so here's yet another one. Bad Berat Rabianai Saba Atadakamed rabi Rabbi Yanai Saba. Rabianai the elder had a grandson, his grandson made a vow and uh, that he wanted to absolve, so he came to his grandfather. Uh Marle Idu Havayadat de Pathin Pin Kasach U Mesham Beobada Obeobadah Minadart so the grandfather told the grandson, if you had known that when you make a vow up in heaven, they open the record books. Pinkas uh, comes from a Greek word, a Greek word, pinax, which means a wax tablet. Uh, here's a painting of one, a wax tablet, a piece of wood covered with wax, and you, you could use a stylus to etch into the wax. And that way, you can have something written, but then you can smooth it over and rewrite on it, so it was a re- rewritable surface. And so these were used in schools, and people would write on uh, on pinaxes so to uh, to keep records. So the idea is that there's an, a heavenly record book. It says, did you know that every time you make a vow up in heaven, they open up your um, your record books and they in- and examine them to see all your deeds to see whether you know, how worthy you are or not. If you knew that. Would you make a vow? And the grandson said, "Oh, I didn't know that. If I had known, if I had known that, I would never have made the vow in the first place. So this is a petach. that shows that it was under uh, um, unforeseen circumstances. He didn't know the, the outcome of this, and so he was able to undo it. Okay, what's the idea? What does the uh, making a neder have to do with the heavenly records? The idea is as follows. Someone wants to take upon themselves an extra responsibility. Besides all the mitzvot in the Torah, they're making a there to make a further obligation upon themselves. So up in heaven, they say, he's taking extra obligation, Oh, let's see if he if he does all the regular ones. You know, like a, a teacher, a student comes and says, can I have extra homework? Well, you want extra work? You already do all the work perfectly? Let's see, right? Let's open up and examine in detail. So nobody wants their deeds uh, to be uh, examined in such detail. And so therefore, he says, no, I would not want to. And that is a uh, legitimate petach. At least that's one that was used by, uh, to be a nice saban. Rabbi Abba says, what's a verse that we can bring that shows that this is a, a, an opening that one can use? From Mishlei says, um, After one makes a neder, then they check his deeds. So here, from here we learn that once a person makes a neder from heaven, they go and check his deeds. The simple reading is that a person who makes nadarim, who does things that are that he he um he vows maybe he doesn't fulfill, then uh, he should do mikteshuvan. Um so but here we're saying in heaven they will check out his deeds. So that's how we know that. And now if the person the person learns that He'll he'll uh, he'll regret that he made the vow. But the Talmud itself says, even though the B and I did that, we don't use that, right? He 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 did that, but this is an extraordinary uh, strategy, and we're not going to do that. Uh, why? Um, I I I, I uh, a possibility is that if you use this, and then then you can never have any vows because you could always tell a person this and they always undo the vow. But the Mefashim say something else. That this is too strong of a strategy. In order for a petach to work, the person actually has to, in their own minds, regret that they made this and say they wouldn't have, would not have done that. But in this case because the person just might feel embarrassed or overawed uh, by the question, right? Would you still have made the vow if you knew that in heaven they're gonna check your deeds? Maybe the person in their minds would say, oh yes, I actually would have, right? I I really felt so strongly, so angry about this person that I wouldn't have made the vow anyway. But even if the person didn't mean it, they might be embarrassed to say, yes, I would have made it anyway. And they would say no. So in their heart, they did not undo absolve themselves because they were not really sorry but they would say that they're sorry so the the uh, rabbi here has to be careful not to uh, say something that's too strong uh, that uh, everyone would have would feel obligated to say oh I would never have done that Uh, so that's why in practice we don't do it another mention one item that of uh, strategy that a rabbi used but that we don't do anymore is here's another one damada baba baba hannah marbiochanan my patach later band is come the saba yes but ke okay mad kid out hard it was on hachami my pet call a potato or the so here's an example. La Babar Barchana and Air Biochan said that. Would, uh, they had an elder. The elder came to him and says, Can you undo this vow? And the Bangamliel quoted Pasuk in Mishlei. someone who speaks and says a vow, it's like a piercing of the sword. It's like, like stabbing yourself. By making a vow, um, but the uh, the language of wise people is uh, is healthy. So the simple reading is that um, the uh, people that speak evil is like a sword, and uh, wise people they speak nice things and brings healing. Um, but we're applying it to nedarim that someone who makes a nedar is uh, injures himself like a stab wound. But when if you come to a sage marpe, they can heal it by absolving the vowel so Uh, What did we learn from here? Anyone who expresses a neder is worthy of being uh, um, pierced by a sword. But luckily, hachamim can come and uh, undo it for them. So this is what he told the elder. did you know, did you recognize that by saying a a, a vow you are making yourself worthy of being stabbed by a sword? And the guy's like, oh that's very serious. I never knew that pasuk. I didn't realize that interpretation. I would never made a vow if I knew that it was the Serious as a stab wound, so he says. Okay, since you didn't realize it, then then that's undone. Uh, but uh, this is is what uh, this Erbengamliel uh, did. Nevertheless, we don't act we don't act in that way um, because it's uh, too strong of a strategy, and people would say, "Oh, they wouldn't have done it, even if actually they would have done it." And here's another strategy that was once used, but that we don't use. So Rabinatan in the Braita says. That someone who makes a vow, it's as if he builds a bama, which means an unauthorized altar. You can only build a mizbeach on the Temple Mount. You're not allowed to build a mizbeach in your backyard or anywhere else. And that's if you make the neder. If you make and fulfill the neder and don't undo it, then it's like not only you built an unauthorized altar, but you make a korban on it which is prohibited you're only allowed to make a Qurban and the beta mikdash so this is pretty serious so to be uh natan uh would undo vows as far that in that using the statement a person would come and says and he would tell them did you realize that by making a vow you're you're building a you're building a bama person would say, oh no, I don't want to build a bama." Now what's the conce- conceptual similarity? How is it like building a bamah? Ideas like this. There's a proper, authorized way to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's through all the mitzvot in the Torah. Right? Like um uh, serving uh, him through korbanot in the one place in the Beit HaMikdash, in Yerushalayim. A person says, I want to add more mitzvot, I want to take upon myself a further obligation or prohibition. So are you doing that? Well, you think it's a good thing to add more, but look at korbanot. You might think that it's a good thing to add dukudu korbanot anywhere you are, but in fact it's prohibited, right? Only do things what the Torah says, adding anything more Mormy spot saying I'm going to abstain from, you know, whatever, is the same as building a bama. So that's the conceptual similarity. It's enough what the Torah um, told us to do and not to focus on that and do that very well. Okay, so uh, this, even though the Bin did it, we don't use this. Now, which part of it do we not use? Because there's actually two parts of it. Um, so, Beresha Patrinan, actually, to tell someone, you made a neded, that's like a bama, that you can say. Because it's not so scary uh, to have built a bama, and a person said, well, maybe I would have done that and built a bama anyway. But the, there is a machloket, the question is about the second part of it, that it's like you actually made a korban. That would be a an idolatrous korban, to do something outside the Mizbe'af, very serious. So, says, Patrinan, we can use the um, the second, the whole thing, right? The first or this even scarier second half. Lava says, no, the second half. That's too embarrassing for a person to deny that they would do that anyway. And so they, that's why the second one cannot be used. What we just read was the, um, uh, was the version of Ravkana. records the machok between Abay and Lava slightly differently. And according to him, everyone agrees that in the second statement, if you fulfill this vow, and you go through with it, then it's like you made a Qurban on a bama. That is something that would be very scary, and everybody would be embarrassed to say that they would do it anyway. And then they're going to say they wouldn't do it, but in their heart they didn't really regret it, so you cannot use that strategy, and everyone agrees. The machlok is about the first one, about making it in the first place, which is only like building a bama. Building a bama is not as bad as making a sacrifice on a bama. So in that case, Abaya says, yeah, you can use that one. But Abba says, no, even that one, no good. The bottom line is, we don't use either of them, not not the beginning, not the end. In other words, the halacha is like According to the second version here. Another strategy that we do not use. Uh, is that what uh, is the one that Shemuel did use, Damashimhuel? Even if a person fulfills a vow, you made a vow and you fulfilled it. Still you're called an evil person for putting yourself in such a dangerous predicament. Amar B'Yav Hu, Ma'i k'era b'echi lo yebecha achet. Pasuk en Dvarim says, if you don't make a nedr, there'll be no sin against you. So we can learn the and the opposite. If you do make an edad, even if you fulfill it, then there is a sin. How do we know the person is called rasha? Because it says the word, Yechdal, to prevent oneself, here, and it says it in another place, Wicked, chase uh, uh, the the wicked, Cease from troubling, so hadelu also to refrain from, and that's associated with reshaim, so so too we transfer the association of reshaim in the pasuk in the to devarim, so anyone who does not refrain from an edit is called a rasha. Of Yosef, Kesherim, U Ah. We have a writer that that proves this, actually a Mishnah, the Mishnah that we saw back on Daftet, that says if a person says, I'm gonna be like Nidre Kesherim, this is permitted to me like the nede n- that righteous people say. That's not a, that's not a neder because righteous people don't make nedarim And uh, what if you say? that I'm going to be prohibited, like a then that is a valid prohibition because the Shaim, that's their way. They're always making swears and vows. Um, and so if he said Nadar as a Nazir, or then he said like, I'm gonna be Nazir, like al-Shaim, then he is a Nazir, or Qurban, he says something is prohibited, then it's uh, it's valid, or Shavuah, and uses uh as, as do to shaim then all those are valid. So this shows, shows that Nadarim are associated with what wicked people do. Uh, a righteous person, that's enough that he commit himself, and he's always honest, so he doesn't have to make a Nedar in order to be trusted. Okay, now that we mentioned the subject of things that people do that are very bad and they're called a shaim, so also someone who gets angry. It's associated with a neded because a lot of times people make a neded because they're angry and they say, I'm never talking to you again. And they make a swear. Or they make a vow. So, so to uh, uh, anger leads to all kinds of terrible things. Anyone gets who gets angry, various types of gehinam will rule over him. Remove vexation from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. What does it mean that evil? <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem has made everything for His purpose. He even made uh, the wicked for the day of evil. Right? Hashem is responsible for the wicked. Why do you make them? So that they'll get their punishment one day. That day. What do you mean, that day? When they die. Where are they going to go? Gehinam. So there you go. Ra'a is Gehinam. So anyone who is. Um, uh, so the advice of Quellant is remove anger from your heart. That way you will be saved from Ra'a, meaning Gehinam. <laughs> And furthermore, person who does not get who who, um, gets uh, angry um, will uh, get hemorrhoids because the pasuk says. Um, she will give you a trembling heart failing of of light, failing of eyes and languishing of soul. This is in the curses in kitabo what does that mean what is something that causes your eyes to to go dim and uh, soul to languish It's the pain that's associated with hemorrhoids, which is actually mentioned uh explicitly in the, in the set of curses. It's so bad we don't even read it. we say. Because it's such a, it's a it's such a terrible thing to say in public. ben Israel Okay, fantastic story. Now listen to this. Ola Ola was one of the sages that used to um, travel from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel and back often. And uh, he was uh, uh, while he was going from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, two people that live in Bnei Chozai were with him. They're traveling together. Come One of them got angry at the other. They got into a heated argument, and one of them came and killed the other, stabbed him. de abadi. So the murderer says, turns to ulah, says, "What do you think? Did I do a good thing? Right? Didn't he deserve it?" Now, Ulah, I'm sure was thinking, you people are crazy. How do I get myself out of this? This guy's a murderer. But instead, he said, yes, you did uh, very good uh, that you murdered him. Not only that, you should stab him again in the neck, right? Make him die faster. Make sure he's really dead. This is what Ula told him. Okay. Now, so when he got to the Bielchanan, the Bih-Ohanan heard the story, and uh, um, uh, Ula came to Bielchanan, told him the story, and Ula felt guilty. He says, uh, "Perhaps I, God forbid, I helped out the hands of sinners by giving, telling him, oh, you killed him.' good job. Do it again, right? Maybe, maybe I'm a, a part of this terrible sin." however, comfort him, says, no, you saved your life. You had to do that. Can you imagine if Ula said, why'd you do that? You're a murderer. I'm going to go report you. So the, the, this guy, would have killed Ula also. So Ula, at that point, certainly had to make believe and say that he was, uh, he was with him. Yeah, you did good. You had to self-defense, right? And uh, kill him again. So he would look like he's on the side um, in order to save his life. To, to save one's life, I mean, you can't kill someone to save your life, but you can tell a murderer he did a good job to save your life, and then afterwards you can go to the authorities and uh, be a witness against them. Ka'tam ketiv necha sham, lev ragaz Now when he heard the story, he was surprised. Ula, you did a fine job. We were surprised that a person can get so angry as to come to murder someone. And he quotes the Pasuk in Devarim that says, Hashem will give you there in Bavel, When you go into exile, you'll get, you'll get anger. So that Pasuk is talking about when you go into exile. He understands people in exile, they get very angry and heated, and they could come to, to do violence. But in Eretz Yisrael, this shouldn't happen. And, you know, this story was when you were on your way to Eretz Yisrael. How could someone get so angry? A very interesting uh, theory that in Eretz Yisrael, everybody's calm and nice and peaceful. Nobody gets angry in Israel. Ula <speaking in Israel> explained, no, we were still on our way. We didn't cross over the Jordan River yet to Eretz Yisrael. Bechazai, by the way, is over here. It's pretty far um uh, place. So they were travelling all the way, and uh this is while they were still in Babel. that's when this murder story, that's why he got so angry. If they had crossed over into Israel, then surely the peaceful uh um uh culture of Israel would have calmed them down. Amadabar Anyone who gets angry, even the Shekhinah itself is not going to be important to him. Even if Shekhinah was right there, when a person gets to an angry state, they don't care about anyone or anything, and they would even do, do, uh, things against, um, their creator. As the Pasuk in, in, uh, says, um, Rasha, uh, the evil person, in the height of his anger, he says, "There is no God," and that's uh, that's what his thoughts are. Rabbi Yirmiyah, Medifti Amal, Meshakecht Amodam, Osef Te'Peshut. Shnei Amal ki Kas Bechek Kesidim Yenuah, Ukti V'Chir Di'Flos i'velet. And not only that, a person who gets angry forgets all of his uh, all of his learning and he becomes foolish. He just says crazy things silly things and we learn this from Pasukin Kohelet and one from Mishlei. Uh, anger rests in the bosom of fools and a fool unfolds folly. Um, he just expresses himself and he shows how uh, foolish he is, um, because of his anger. Also, if you see a person get angry, that's revealed that their sins are more than their merits. They might look like a righteous person, but the fact that they can get so angry shows that really their negative outweighs, as the Pasuk in Mishle says, someone who gets angry, more is their pesha, is their sin. Rabbi Hanina, il lo lochatu Israel, lo nitan elach torah. An amazing statement. If Israel had not sinned and, uh, and, and instead they went into the land of Israel and remained faithful and did justice and took care of the widow and served Hashem properly, then they would not have uh, needed. The rest of the Nevi'im and Ketuvim, they would have been sufficient with the five books of Hamisha Torah, obviously you need that, that's all the laws, that's the basic Berit, and Yehoshua, Um, why they need Yehoshua? Sh'erka she'letz Yisrael, who? Because in Yehoshua, it tells us about the arrangement of Eretz Yisrael, this uh, tribe conquered this area and that tribe conquered there, they knew what they needed to, to know how to settle. But the rest of Nevi'im and Ketuvim, would not be necessary because all that are the nevi'im coming and admonishing the people make teshuvah. you're doing wrong this is what's going to happen you're going to go into exile and so all that all the all those nevi'im all those books we would not have uh, needed them would have been enough for just to have the six books so we quote the um, uh, similar pasuk right because with much um, this is the, not the same basuka as before. Um, because with, uh, great wisdom is also great anger. In other words, when great anger comes to people because we, we sin and Hashem is angry at us also great wisdom, the wisdom of all those books. So there's a kind of toss-up that even though better if we hadn't sinned and therefore you know we wouldn't have been exiled, but now that we did sin, there is some benefit of having all those books, so we have great wisdom from them. It's kind of an analogy of uh, Gan Eden, where by sinning and eating the fruit we get exiled from Gan Eden, but we also gain the knowledge that was in the tree of knowledge. So it's, um, you know, overall Uh, Better not to have done that, but now that we have done that we do have these extra books that we can learn from and then we can learn Teshuvah, we can learn how to come back and uh, we can learn other good skills of how to survive in exile and how to return to the land of Israel, even though we wouldn't have needed those skills. If we hadn't sinned in the first place. Amad um, As is, by the way, very interesting because the Samaritans only have those six books, the five books of Moses, and they have a version of Yahshua that's very similar to ours. Amad um, be Asin. That was the end of the anger section, and now we're going to back to the section about various types of of nedarim, and the following a nedir, is so strong that you can't undo it. So if someone if someone takes a, 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 a shivua, a, a vow, a neded in the name of Eloke Yisrael, this is very strong, and uh, you can't undo it. Right? If the people a person comes to you, I made a vow in the name of the God of Israel. I can't? Sorry, can't undo it. Accept if they say this is like a korban is my wife she's prohibited to me um, uh, from uh, having any benefit because she stole my wallet or because she hit my son and the person this guy uses the name Eloke Israel in his vow and then it turns out that she didn't sin uh, she didn't uh, steal the wallet he just he misplaced it she didn't hit the kid he, he just bumped his head and so he made the vow, and, uh, and with, with false pretenses, he wasn't he, he was totally wrong. In that case, we want to save their marriage because if he can't have uh, benefit from each other, then they have to get divorced. So in order to save a marriage, we can even erase God's name with a sota. So even if a person took says God's name itself, nevertheless, we undo the vow, even though that will mean that he said israel in vain." Um, so in order to save the marriage, kamed Rav la So a woman came to Rav and he said, uh, "What you know?" To, she wanted to undo her vow. He said, "Tell me what did you say?" And she said, Israel." I used the phrase in the name of the God of Israel. la lo kiknalach. And so here, the rabbi says, if you used a nickname, bemohi, right, we saw that earlier. This is a nickname, let's say, by, you know, by, by Moshe, by whatever this means. Um, then, since I saw your nickname, I would have dealt with you and I would have undone your vow. But now that you didn't use a nickname, you should always use a nickname. Remember that for the future. Because you used eloke Israel itself, I'm um, not attending to your request, nothing I could do to help you. the Yosef Midi Okay, another fun story. We have so many fun stories about people making, insisting on things, using vows. So Rav uh, went to the home of Rav Yosef. And Rav Yosef, the host, says, come, Rav Kana, come taste something. He says, no, I swear by the master, ma, of everything, meaning by God. By the master of everything, I will not eat anything from you and so Rav Yosef, the host, repeats the same words: Lo no, Mari Kula La by The master of all, you will not eat anything. Now we—that's the end of the story. What's going on? We understand why the guest said, I promise I'm not going to eat anything. Right, because he doesn't, he doesn't want to come in and he wants to, to stop insisting. how come the host said, yeah, I vow that you're not going to eat anything. What is he now, like angry, he's insulted that he didn't come and now he's making a vow that no, you can't eat anything? No, lo No, he was saying it rhetorically. Rav Yosef was simply repeating what Rav Kana had said. I said, "No, really? By the master of all, you're not going to eat anything." Well, what can I do? I guess that, and you really mean it, that you're not going to eat anything since you take a, took a vow in such a strong way. See, if you didn't mean it, we saw above cases where the guest says, makes a vow, but they don't really mean it. They just mean they're not going to eat a whole meal, but they're going to eat something. Fine, if you want to say that, use a nickname or some other formula. If you're going to say, Marie Kula. Uh, similar to Elokei Israel then you must really mean it so okay i guess you can't eat all right hopefully you'll come over another time marava israel nachman says the bottom line is we do, uh, use re- regret to undo vows, even though on the previous staff, we saw one statement that said, regret is not enough. You have to find a petach. But then we saw a whole bunch of stories of rabbis who did use regret, right? That's enough to say, oh, when I, uh, I was angry when I said it. I was in the wrong state of mind. I regret it. That's fine. You can use that. And if someone uses the phrase, even though we just said here that except for husband and wife, uh, you don't, we do not, um, att- use that. We do not undo a vow. Nevertheless, halacha is that we will undo a vow even if they said, Elokei Israel. Mishtabach le'Rava Rav Nachman Rav Sechora Dadam gadol hu. Rava once praised his student, Rav Sechora, to um, Rav Nachman. Right? In other words, Rava told Rav Nachman, Rav Sechora. He's a great person. Right? He's a great student. Amalo. He wrote him a letter of recommendation. Amalo. Keshavu liatcha Rav Nachman says, look, great, I'd love to meet him. When the Rav Sechora comes to to you, tell him to come over, I want to meet him. Turns out Rav Sechora actually had a vow that he wanted to resolve. Maybe that's why he asked for a letter of recommendation. And uh, so Rav said that I told Rav Sechora, call Rav Nachman. And Rav Sechora goes to Rav Nachman and says, can you help me undo my vow? So, the uh, Nahman said, Did you make a vow? With such and such in mind, we don't know what the vow is, we don't know exactly what he said, right? But did you have in mind when you said, for example, you're not gonna eat sugar? Did you realize that your salad dressing has sugar in it? Yes, I did know, right? Uh, so I can't I guess, can't undo the vow that way. Okay. okay, did you have in mind that this uh, other snack that you like has sugar in it? Yes, I realized. Yes, I'm a lot of things, right? Did you realize that uh, your flavored coffee has sugar in it and you couldn't have that? He says yes, I did know that, and so again and again, Rav Nachman got uh, got annoyed, he got upset. He's he's trying his best, and it looks like um, Rav Sechora is not helping out. Rav Sechora is, keeps uh, refusing. He's not. He doesn't. He's refusing to to be helped. He's giving Rav Nachman a hard time. Rav Nachman is trying to help him. zilikilach. Rav Nachman gave up, and he says, "Go back home. Go back to your tent." Sorry, I can't help you. Right, everything. I try a hundred things to undo your vow, and nothing, nothing is working. As soon as Rav Nachman Rav Sechola left, then he said, "Oh." Now I have an opening. And he undid his own vow. Uh, what's his own vow? That, what, as, as follows. This is a Mishnah, Pilkavot. The B says, what is a proper path that a person should choose? Something that brings glory to his Maker and glory to his other, to his, your fellow human beings. In other words, you should be righteous in the eyes of God and in the eyes of others. Even if you're so pious in the eyes of God, but people look at you and uh, look down upon you, then you're not doing the right thing, and vice versa also. So, what does that have to do with him? Hashtad Nachman, look how Rav Sechola says about himself, because of the way I acted and uh, I, you know, I came to Rav Nachman and I made Rav Nachman upset, it must be something I did wrong. <mlut> if I knew at the time that I made the vow that I'm not going to sugar, that that's going to cause me to now come, and, uh, come before Rav Nachman to try to undo it. And he was going to ask me a lot of questions. And I was going to say no to, I was going to say, I had that in mind, I knew that. And he was going to get upset. If I knew at the time that I made the vow that that would cause a series of events that would end up making Rav Nachman upset, then I never would have made the vow. So there you go. That's an unforeseen circumstance, and uh, and there's a good, patu, a good petach, u'shtale nafshe, and he undid his vow. So ironically, by upsetting Rav Nachman, uh, because Rav Nachman could not find the petach, that itself, Rav Nachman's attempt to attempt, failed failure to find the petach was it was itself the petach that he used to, uh, to get out of it. Okay, last story. Uh, Rabbi Shimon, uh, the son of Rabbi, he made a nedel, he wanted to, to, to absolve, and uh, he came before uh, the rabbanan. So they asked him, we don't know what the vow was, but whatever, they said, did you have this in mind? He says, amalein. Yes, I did have that in mind. I can't use that as batuach. I knew that, uh, consequence. in. And how about this? Yes. And that happened several times, in fact. In other words, um, the, uh, that's right. This happened several times. This happened so many times. they kept asking him questions to find some petach. And the rabbis were troubled. And they tried it all day long. They were going from the sun to the shade, then shade to the sun. Meaning, in the morning, when it's cool out, they would sit in the sun. In the afternoon, when it gets, when it gets hotter, they move to the shade. And later, towards evening, they move back and out into the sun. So it means that they were there from the morning all the way until the evening, kept moving to adjust the temperature, and they still couldn't find anything to any way to help it be Shimon. There's one version of the story, in uh, the other version says, they asked him, did you have in mind this particular effect when you made the vow? He said yes, and it occurred several times, and it says we were troubled for such a long time, but they still cannot find a solution this is shanah That's in parentheses if we look in the manuscripts we'll see that the both manuscripts do not have this section so anyway probably best to skip it um so finally but um botnit bened abashawl ben botnit botnit the son of the son of botnit named after the grandfather said mina data data hadim istarid banana mitula shimshim tulah After a long day of investigating and trying to find something that he didn't have in mind when he made the vow, because he had everything in mind when he made the vow, finally, uh, one of the sages there said, did you, when you made the vow, did you have in mind that by making the vow, you would cause the, cause so much trouble to the rabbis that they have to be kept moving from shade to sun and sun to shade, staying all day trying to deal with your vow? He said, no, I would never have made the vow if I knew I was going to put you through so much trouble. And based on that, they were able to undo the vow. right? So based on the frustration of not being able to find the Petach, to undo the vow, that itself was the Petach. Baruch Adonai l'olam. Amen v'amen.